All right. Welcome. As people are slowly coming back, as uh, some of the parents are slowly coming back. Uh, again, my name is Hugh Duan. I just want to welcome everybody. It's, uh, it's, it's nice to be back. We, uh, we came back last Sunday, but Vanessa and I were away for two weeks on a ministry trip to uh, France. It was an amazing trip. And we shared some of that last Sunday. So uh, now we're back into the routine of things. And uh, I was telling Vanessa this morning, just Sunday, just usually it comes very quickly. But this Sunday, it seemed like it took a long time to, uh, to get here. Uh, sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not so good. Partly because I was gone for two weeks. And uh, there was a lot of catching up that I need to do for my uh, moonlighting job. Is that a moonlighting job? My full-time job. But... But anyway, uh, welcome. We, um, we're going to jump right in this morning. Uh, this morning, we are going back into the series of Colossians that we have been going through. We took uh, a break for a few weeks. Uh, we went through Colossians chapter 1, chapter 2, and we took a little break. And now we're coming back into Colossians chapter 3. So uh, just a quick recap on Colossians before we get started. Uh, Paul was writing this letter, was in roughly 60 AD, so to speak. He was writing this letter while he was in prison to the people in Colossae. He has never been to Colossae, but he has heard about their faith and their love for all of God's people. And also he knew about the Colossians through his, one of his disciples, Epaphras. He, even though he's never been there, but because of one of the, his disciples have been to Colossae, and share about the good news, share about Jesus. And he, they came back, uh, Epaphras came back and told Paul about the people in Colossians. So now he's writing a letter to them to encourage them to be more steadfast as they walk more into what God has for them. So in chapter 1, he praised the Colossians as, and just a recap for you guys so we can catch up to chapter 3. So in chapter 1, Paul praised the Colossians as he has heard of their faith for Jesus and their love for all of God's people. So all of God's people implying all people, not just uh, their love for people who believe in Jesus, but they were loving all of God's people. Um, so we went in depth in chapter 1. Uh, Paul was reminding us about uh, us being rescued from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of light. And uh, he went on to describe the king the king of this kingdom of light that, that we were rescued into in, from, uh, verse, in chapter 1 from verse 15 to 20. I want to encourage everyone to read those verses again, even though you, you may remember even when you were here when we went through these verses, but uh, these verses are, are really incredible. And, and do that. Uh, I want to encourage you guys to do that during your quiet time, chapter 1, verse 15 to 20. And it will help strengthen our revelation of who Jesus is and the supremacy of Jesus as the Son of God. So in chapter 2, uh, Paul went on to say that he was contending for the Colossians, as in he was praying for them, praying for them so they can walk more into the things of God, and he's praying for them so they can fully live out the spiritual fullness in Jesus. And he, um, and he cautioned them not to get caught up in the teachings from others about deceptive philosophies, you know, other additional spiritual knowledge that a person needs to gain in addition to Jesus. So he was encouraging them, do not be deceived by those additional teaching. Uh, things just as, such as we, we talked about um, the balance of the universe, you know, yin versus yang, so to speak. Uh, he's talking about, uh, and he was cautioning them to, to stay away from additional spiritual forces and just to be cautioned in general. Um, things that are not from Jesus, 
because these, these are the things in, in nowadays we see a lot. Like if you walk around, you see uh, palm readers, you see people playing Ouija board, you see people uh, going to a fortune reader. So because we believe in the spiritual forces that, that God has, there are also other spiritual forces. So Paul was encouraging them and in a way us to not be influenced and not be deceived by additional knowledge out there, outside of Jesus. So also with uh, the Colossians, he was encouraging them to not submit to human rules. Um, what he meant by that was pretending to act in a way that will give an appearance of wisdom, an appearance of uh, false humility or legalist, legalism, self-righteous, or be judgmental in, in how they eat or don't eat, what they drink or don't drink. He was just saying, be free. Don't submit to these human rules that people are, are putting on you. Um, so that was a very brief review of the first two chapters in Colossians. You guys, can you guys hear me okay? Okay. I just feel like it's not coming through in the speakers. Uh, so that was a very brief review of the first two chapters in Colossians. And I want to encourage you to read those chapters if you have forgotten or have not read them before. So hopefully that will catch everyone up to chapter 3. So with that, let's look at the first few verses. Uh, chapter 3. So Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through 4. This is the NIV that I'm using. Feel free to use whatever version that you have. Uh, Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So before we go in depth on these verses, I do want to stress the importance of both relationship with Jesus and understanding scripture. So one, we need to have both. One, first is relationship with Jesus. So our God is a very relational God. Uh, I think we all know that because he wants, and, and it's good for us to have a relationship with him because he wants us to know him for ourselves, not through what you hear on Sunday morning, not through uh, other people's revelations, or not through some other teachings or movies that you've seen. He wants us to know him for ourselves, and that can only come through spending time with him, right? Just like any other relationship, in order to know someone, you need to spend time with that person. Uh, so, so that's two things that he wants us to know. Number one, relationship with Jesus. And number two is understanding of scriptures. That's how we get to know God more and who he is and finding out more about our security in our God. So we know that scripture is God-breathed. So the life of God is in each and every verse that we read in the Bible. And I wanted to encourage or remind us to not read this as you would read any other book. Uh, take your time when you're reading through this and be aware of what each verse is saying to us. You know, if, for example, if you're reading through a scripture and, and if a verse is causing us to re-exam our perspective or re-exam our thinking about certain life decisions, that um, take time out and spend time with God and think it through because that's the way of God is trying to uh, stir us up and, and get our attention about the things that he's trying to tell us or the decision that we're making that he's telling us, hey, Think that through a little bit more. Uh, and if a verse is prompting us to spend time with God, then spend time meditating. Spend time with God. 
uh, Ryan and I, we talked about meditating. There's, there's such a negative connotation to that word, but meditation is a good thing. Spending time with God, hearing from Him, hearing the things that He has for us. Uh, that was just an example of how God speaks to us through scriptures. I was using that as, a, as an example because the Bible, the purpose of, of the Bible is to give us a solid foundation, solid ground to stand on. So when we get confused by different teaching, uh, philosophies or cultural trends that are changing, uh, uh, academic or scientific teachings or peer pressure from our families and our friends, we go to scriptures to really determine what is right and what is wrong. This is and should always be the stabilizing force in our life. Um, so anyway, so those are the two things I want to encourage every one of us to always do. Spend time with God and spend time in scriptures. Um, so with that understanding, let's look at verse Chapter 3, verse 1. Since then, you have been raised with God, with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So, um, in order to have a good understanding of this, we need to read through chapter 2. And as I said, trying to find out strength in Jesus and live in the spiritual fullness in Jesus. So, Paul is continuing in chapter 3 with what he ended in chapter 2, which is, Christ is in us. We are in Him. Christ in me, the hope of glory. So we're in him and he's in us. So as we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we have invited Jesus to come into our hearts to be our Lord and Savior, right? Not mentor, but as Lord. Not as a buddy, but as a Savior. So therefore, we, as we're together with Jesus, or rather we're one with Jesus, we have been raised with him. So... Um, this is something that I, I know we may know, but it's, it's worth repeating again. Is Jesus, we've been raised with him. Jesus is not on the cross. He's not laying in a tomb somewhere with a decomposed body. And he's not hanging out in Hades with the dead. You know, he is seating at the right hand of God, interceding for us. We know that he's inter interceding for us from Romans 8, um, verse 34. So Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, is right now seated at the right hand of God. Yes, he was on the cross. Yes, he was buried. Yes, he died for three days. Yes, he came back alive and appealed to over 500 people. And also, he was raised up. And now, he is seated at the right hand of God. So since we are in him, and he's in us, we're together with Christ, spiritually. Paul is encouraging us to set our hearts spiritually to a place where Jesus is because we're together. And as we know that he's no longer on the cross, right? Don't live like he's on the cross. Don't think like he's on the cross because he is seated at the right hand of God as he has already died for our sins. It was completed. It was done. It was finished. Don't intentionally live or stay in a, at that place or stay in a difficult season thinking that this is my cross to carry. Um, as I was preparing for this, uh, I, I just felt like there was a lot of, not a lot of people, there were some people that I've came across in the, few, in the last few years that, that used to come up with the phrase, it's my cross to carry. So this is what I'm doing. So the verses that they, they're using that from is from Matthew 16, verse 24, verse 25, and I think I have it up there. It said, whoever wants to be my disciples will deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. 
So remember that Jesus is no longer on the cross. So when Jesus said, Carry, take, my, take up their cross and follow me, meaning the key word is follow me. He didn't say anything about dwelling in a difficult season. He's saying, take up my cross and follow me. And then the verse after that is, it's about changing our lifestyle, changing our understanding of who we are and our current position that we're in. So this verse is about living for Jesus. It's from Matthew 16 about take up my cross. So when people say, oh, it's my cross to carry, you're not meant to carry the cross. Jesus died on the cross already. And he has been raised up and he's sitting at the right hand of God. So when he's saying, and follow me, they will lose their life, but they will, for me, will find it. So that's what it means is losing our lives and living for Jesus. Living for our, we used to live for ourselves. We used to live for our desires and our needs and the things that we want. But what Jesus meant about take up their cross and follow me, now is living for Jesus. Meaning that, live for Jesus, live for him, his desires, his passion, his wisdom, his grace. Live in his freedom and take on his mandate. Which is, the Son of God came to seek and save the lost. So we've been spiritually set free from the obligation and the pressure of this world. So that's what Paul is reminding us. You are now seated at the right hand of God with Jesus. So that's what he meant. Since you have been raised up with Christ. So we need to change our mentality and realize that spiritually, we're seated at the right hand of the Father. He's reminding us that we've been raised up from a life with an, with an impending expiration date for both physically and spiritually. So we no longer belong on this, uh, to the life that we, as we have been raised with Christ. That life passed where there was an expiration date. We've been raised up with Christ. Now we have, spiritually, we have eternal life forever. The definition of salvation, if, if, we, if we talk about it apart from theology, def- salvation means preservation or deliverance from harm, ruin, or loss. So through our faith in Jesus, we have been delivered from harm, ruin, or loss. So as in, we have been delivered from eternal harm, eternal ruin, eternal loss. So we have been raised up with him. We have been saved and we're seated at the right hand of God. I know I keep repeating this over and over again, but I hope that's one thing that you guys will remember as we go away from here today, is we, with Christ, are seated at the right hand of God. I'm going to say that a couple more times before we're done. <laughs> so even though we're here physically for now, we must remind ourselves that we belong elsewhere spiritually, right? Belong in the kingdom of God. As in, we already have the passport, Shown that we are citizens in the kingdom of God. As in, when, when Vanessa and I were traveling um, last month to France, we had a passport, a U.S. passport to come back. We knew that we were just visiting, but we knew where we belong. We are American citizens. So it's the same thing what Paul is reminding us. You guys are just passing through here. You belong somewhere else. You belong in the kingdom of God because Christ is in us. We are in Him. Christ in me, the hope of glory. So as we are one with Christ, and he's seated at, the, seated at the right hand of God, Paul is imploring us to set our hearts on the things above. So view our life with the, from the perspective of us being seated at the right hand of God. So the next verse is, set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things. We notice that Paul is imploring us to set our hearts on the things above. 
And immediately after that, he said, follow, immediately follow that. He said, set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things. God is omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. So all-knowing, all-powerful, he's everywhere. However, what he cares most about is our heart because he is a very relational God. We said, um, I said that earlier. So he's not an absentee father or an uncaring father or someone who's only interested in how we make him look or not, in, are not interested in our situations. He is totally committed to us and our situations. We know this because of his death on the cross, right? So he is a very relational guy, and he's talking the talk and walking the walk. I know we, we, I say this a lot up here, but talk is cheap. Uh, not talk is cheap. Talk is easy. Talk is cheap without the doing. So Paul is encouraging us. You're probably wondering, where am I going with this? So I'm, I'm trying to get to the point. So Paul is encouraging us to firstly set our hearts on the things above. Because our heart is what set the direction. Our heart is what set the compass for where we're heading to. Our minds, which is the second thing that Paul was saying, our minds plot out the best course to get there. So our heart is, just, just imagine when you're traveling somewhere, you have a compass. That's your heart. This is where I'm going. And where I'm going is to be with Jesus. Your mind is plotting out the plan of how to get there and how to live our lives to be as followers of Jesus. So an illustration that, um, that I think, that I like to use is I think most everyone have been in love at one time or another, right? If you haven't, hopefully you will be in love soon. Uh, and I hopefully the married couple, you guys are still in love. But anyway, an example that I want to say is, um, so when you love someone, our hearts tell us that we need to be with that person, right? So our minds come up with a plan, ridiculous plan, that rational people would not make to be with that person. Uh, an example I like to think of is when, uh, I think most of you guys know we, Vanessa and I, we were, dated, uh, we were dating in Minnesota and she got a job to come to Chicago and I pursued her. I didn't follow her. I pursued her. Make sure we get that clear. Um, so, so anyway, so what happened was we were doing long distance dating for nine months and I was in Minnesota, she was here. But every weekend I would plan out on how we can be together. So I would show up to work early on Friday morning so I can leave early and make a six hours drive, get here on Friday nights, hang out together, drive back on Sunday, get back to work. So I would do that most weekends. So a rational person would say, well, why on earth would you do something like that, right? But when you love someone, you Plan out your life. Plan out your path and how to be with that person. So that's what Paul is trying to tell us. Firstly, set your heart upon where Jesus is. Set the compass. Set the direction of where you want to be. And then your mind. Set your minds upon Jesus. So that's how you plan to live your life. Plan to live your life so you can get to where you want to be. So we can be with Jesus. People may say, you know, like... Some of my friends did say, well, why on earth would you want to do that? The weekend's the best part, right? I mean, I probably shouldn't say this. I used to go clubbing or used to go dancing a lot on the weekend. So they would say, well, what, where are you? You're not here anymore. So people would say, it's like, what's, what's your problem? But um, so they would say, well, you're not thinking clearly. Think about this. Think about it again. So we may say that people in love don't think very clearly. There may be some truth to that, but... 
I would argue the opposite. People in love know exactly what they're doing. They just don't care about what others are saying. They know exactly what they're doing and they know exactly how to get there. They meticulously plan out the course and most importantly, they ignore the cost. So when we love something or someone, we plan out what we need to do. We look at the privilege or the incredible um, end result of what we're trying to get to and we ignore the cost. And I can tell you those six hours drive got old very quickly each way when I was driving back and forth. But it's because we knew that we were going to be together. So I was able to ignore the cost. And that's just an example that I want to use uh, just for us. I didn't want to, I, I know I could use many examples from knowing your stories. But I just thought I want to use our example because when we love somebody, we meticulously plan out our day, coming to work early, get done early so I can beat the traffic. We meticulously plan out the little details to get to where we need to get to. And we ignore the cost. And that's what Paul is encouraging us is first, set your heart upon Jesus. So once we're able to do that, once we know of his love and know our love for him, we know that we love him. We want to be with him. We are with him so then we can plan our lives around it when we set our minds upon Jesus. So set our minds is, is on the planning on how to change things allow, around our lives so we can follow him, so we can be with him and ignore everything else that's taking us away from him. So this is the same as knowing Jesus, right? It's about when we know Jesus and believe in Jesus. We know this is from Romans 10, uh, verse 10. It starts with our heart desiring to know Jesus. Romans 10, verse 10 said, For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So, when Jesus rescued us from the dominion of darkness, let our hearts be the spiritual compass of where we are, which is seated with Jesus at the right hand of God. Then set our minds on following him, on how to live our lives, how to get to where we need to get to, how to get to where we want to get to. And dealing with those people around us in a way that they will not deter us from our course, from what God is calling us to do and God's calling us to be. You know, an example, just, just a practical example of, of staying steadfast is we don't need to be like everyone else. We don't need to act like everyone else. From what I've seen, um, not everybody, but most people like to act like they have everything all together. You know, they have the answers to everything. Everything's perfect. Life is great. My kids are incredible. They're the best behaving kids ever. But we don't need to be like that. You know, we set our minds on in terms of Jesus and live a transparent life. Live a life with, with, with open-handed, with a willingness to learn and admit that we don't know everything, but we know where we're going. And that is to be with Jesus. So that's, that's the first two verses. Then the next verse said, For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. This next verse is intended to explain the last two verses because it is as if Paul is saying, you are in this situation. You are with Jesus. You are seated at, seated at the right hand of God because of what had happened. So for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. As, we're, as we were raised up through our faith in Jesus, we are hidden in his protection. 
Think of hidden as, as hiding in a place of safety. We are protected by him. Not because of shame or guilt. We don't hide because we did something wrong. It's because we are ashamed of something. So we don't need to hide. This, this word hide in the Greek word is the same as what's being used in Psalm 27 verse 5. It's, For in the days of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon the rock. So he is hiding us. We're hiding in his glory, in his power. We're protected by him. We're safe. We're saved by him. So when any spiritual forces or lies or doubts would try to come against us or, or separate us from Jesus or just separate us from our spouses or our relationship, our friends and our family, just know that we're saved by him. We're protected by him. So don't believe the lies and the doubts and the things that, that may cause us to think otherwise. And then Paul went on to say, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you, will also, then you also will appear with him in glory. Who is your life? So when our hearts are for Jesus and our minds are for Jesus, we have eternal life because he is our source of life. Who is our life? Jesus is our life. And Paul went on to say, well, we are hidden now because we're, we're hidden because we're protected by him. But we will be revealed when Jesus comes back. This we know as Jesus is in us, the hope of glory. So we know that Jesus will come back. So when we're in Jesus and we're protected by him, we're hidden by him, so when he comes back and reveals himself to all people, we will also be revealed. Uh, I like to use the verse from 1 John, verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 2, when it said, Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. We will see him as he is in all his glory. If you ever read Revelation chapter 1, there's a glimpse of what Jesus looks like. Incredible. I would encourage you guys to go read it yourself. But we will, we will see a glimpse of his glory. So when he comes back, we will see him. He will be revealed. So not only that, we shall be like him. As in, restored back to the original form in the beginning of time. The form that was, dare I say, perfectly created in the image of God, right? Adam and Eve were created in the image of God. So when we come back, we will be like him. So we won't be physically affected by aging or sickness or disease. Our physical form will come back. So as we talked about earlier about how we're currently living in a place where there's an expiration date for us physically and spiritually, but when we have Jesus, we no longer have an expiration date spiritually in Jesus. And when he comes back, physically, we will be with him through our eternity. And that's what Paul is reminding us again as he summarizing what he wrote in chapter 1 and chapter 2 in the first four verses. And I just wanted to end um, this morning with the encouragement for all of us that one, to remember that we are protected by Jesus through these verses. We're protected by the maker and the creator of the universe. We throw that, we throw that term out a lot. The creator, the, the creator, right? The maker of the universe. And I was thinking, after a while, it becomes like a cliche and it's kind of fly right over my head. So how can we try to grasp 
the bigness of our Creator. So, I looked this up. The time to take from, you guys know light years? You, know, you guys know how fast it is, right? We don't need to explain that. Okay. So the time it takes from our sun to travel to the next star is a little bit over four light years. Right? There are 200 billion stars in the Milky Way, Milky Way galaxy. 200 billion stars in the Milky Way galaxy. So think about how big that is. The sun to the next star is a little bit over four light years. There are 200 billion stars in the Milky Way. That's one galaxy. You want to guess how many galaxies are there in the universe? Roughly 100 billion galaxies in the universe. We are protected by the one who created all that. That is how protected we are. So when we talked about the creator of the universe, think of it in that concept. That is who we are protected by. So we are always safe, always, as we hide in his power and his grace and his glory. So that's why when people say, may his grace be with you, you don't need anything else. We don't need anything else. The creator of the universe, think about that. That's how big he is. That's how incredible he is. And he's watching over us and he's protecting us. So don't let any lies or any generational sins or anything to cause us to think otherwise. That we have to fight things on our own. We have to do things on our own. We're protected by that person, so to speak. The creator of the universe. And that's how big the universe is. Firstly, as we know our position in Christ, set our hearts upon him. Because as we know of his love, we cannot help it but love him, love him back. And as we love him, let that be the compass of how we live our life. Of that's what we want to be. That's where I want to be at. That's why I want to be with him at all time. And as we set our hearts upon Jesus, then we can set our minds upon him to follow him, to live for him, live the life that Jesus has called us to live and live it to the fullest. And we also know that he gives us the Holy Spirit to enable us to do incredible things. The creator of the universe, a hundred billion galaxies, 200 billion stars in one galaxy gave us the Holy Spirit to do and accomplish the things that we encounter every day. So don't be afraid. We're protected by him. Live our life. Live it out to the fullest. Seek him and him only. And that's just that's what I wanted to share for this morning. Um, you know, next, um, next week, we will go through verse 5 through 12, uh, which are some of the practicalities that Paul was listing in order for us to live with our hearts and our minds set upon the things above, set upon Jesus. Go ahead. Do you have something to share? Come on up. Come on up. We, uh, he often preaches and leads the meeting and has to close it. So anyway, this morning, though, I felt, um, I didn't tell him this, but I felt God had, you know, when we come and do church, like uh, we say do church even doesn't sound right, we want to meet with God and we want to trust every Sunday for him to come and touch us and do whatever it is that he wants to do. And I felt a burden this week just for um, people feeling contained, you know, and I, I didn't know he was going to preach on this, 
but just that containment that we get. And I think that word about God sheltering us and hiding us and us being hidden in Him just speaks to that, um, that we can be free to be who we are in Christ. Good. And especially in the neighborhood we live in, which is a beautiful, wonderful neighborhood full of wonderful people, there is pressure to be in a certain way. Good. And I just feel like Good. God wants to minister to us this morning that. So if you have faith for that, I'd love to pray for us Good. for that. Um, so maybe just stand with me if you want to receive. Um, you can open your hands in a way to receive. Good. And I'll just Good. pray for us this morning. Father, just thank you, God, for your word for us this morning, God. Thank you, Jesus. I just thank you, Lord, that you're doing something this morning, God. Through everything, the preaching, the word, you're always doing something and wanting to say something to us, God. And we want to tune our hearts to you this morning, God. And tune our hearts to you and just receive now, Father. And I pray, Lord, for restoration, God, that we be people that are not contained, God. We don't feel contained and restricted. And us have to be a certain way, but God, we can be who we are in you, God. And so, Father, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would come even now and touch people as they want to receive from you. Touch me as I receive from you, God. And just lift off that, that feeling of containment, God, and let us know we're hidden in you. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray fear of man would fall to the ground. Thank you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, fear of man will be broken. Yes, Lord. And we can be who we're called to be in you, God. Thank you for that safe place. And God, this morning we say, it's your voice that matters to us. Yes, Lord. It's Thank your you, voice alone that matters to me. It's what you say. It's Thank who you, you say I am. It's your perspective that matters to each of us. Not the neighbors, not the schools, not anybody around us, not our boss. It's you, God. Thank you, God. And so, Father, just secure us in you this morning. Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus.